Yeah, thank you for everyone who prayed for me. Thank you so much, Gail. While I was away, I had a great time with my family. Um, the weather was terrible in Christchurch. <laughs> but you know what? It actually turned out to be great because the Grandies had this plan of all these things that I was doing with them. And that would have been fun. But it was so lousy, we stayed home, played games, sat around chatting, talking, watched a heap of movies. So God knew, you know, when you don't see that side of your family very often because of the ditch and the cost of getting down there, etc., etc., to have spent that time, quality time with them was amazing. And then, of course, came Monday and I headed to Refresher, where I did not want to go. I'm just going to lay it out here this morning because I am probably the eldest person there by nearly 100 years slightly exaggerated I don't know the ones down for me are probably late 50s and there's just a smattering of them and then everybody else is about 30 and I was and younger <laughs> I was talking to one young man there it was his first time there and he says everybody's my age they aren't your age. I thought, well, thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> but he was expecting a room full of old people. So it is so fabulous that there are so many young, up-and-coming pastors and amazing, amazing anointing of leadership on their lives. And um, our two main guest speakers, um, the first one was invited in especially to speak on the whole gay situation and the church because in our cities this is now becoming a huge issue. Um, and I really loved, the man's name was Sean Detroit. if you want to um, look him up and listen to any of his podcasts. He was such a wise man, young, young, and um, such a love for the Lord. And he talked us through a lot of ways to be able to love and accept but never compromise the word of God. The word of God is the standard and, that, and just how to bring in that standard without being offensive even though some will be offended just as we have had people in this church totally offended because they were in de facto relationships weren't allowed on our worship team weren't allowed to speak they've left the church offended some will remain offended that's not our business we just have to love and care nurture disciple but we do not compromise the word of God. Very balanced teaching. And the other couple, um, Dave and Jen Gilpin, um, they had been, after 28 years of ministering in this church that they had been in, they had hit a storm that wiped them out. And um, as he said when he got up to speak, you don't share your testimony while you're still bleeding. And he said, we stopped bleeding yesterday. And so they were just sharing from their hearts about how to stand in the storms and the storms will hit. So very powerful time. Um, I had two prophetic words over me. The first one, we'd had an amazing time of praise and worship and we were just praying in threes for those around us. And then Michael, who is our um, Samoan 
pastor up in Auckland, he has a Samoan church, he came running over and started to pray in tongues over me and prophesied and he said to me, people are saying to you, retire, 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 but I am saying to you, I've refired, I've refired, I've refired, so sorry church, you've got me for a bit longer. Oh, thank you. I didn't actually say it for that reason. And then um, on the last night, Jan, <coughs> Jan Gilpin, she prophesied over me and she said to me, God has not finished with you yet. Nice to know. Thank you for confirming. And then she said to me, you are feeling marginalised by the younger um, the youth culture and, and leadership today, and it's everywhere, not just in our movement. And she said, don't be. And then she said to me, revival, revival, revival. Revival is coming. I'm telling you, revival is coming. Thank you, Pat, for your word. You know, we look around our church. We know the prophetic word that God's brought to this work, this church, that this church will be so full. There are people waiting outside for their turn to come in and be prayed for and yet each Sunday after Sunday we look around and today is especially a bad day because there are quite a few people away as well and you can't help but think God when 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 so that lady's prophetic word was very encouraging to me and I hope it is encouraging to you as well Ooh. Usually when I come back from something like a conference or refresher, I speak about something that's really touched me at that time because, you know, I just know that's what God wants me to share. Oops, that's a bit hot. But this time, the Lord had already stirred this message up within me quite a few weeks um, before I went away. I was listening to a podcast of Bill Johnson and I want to give him some credit because some of what I'm going to say here this morning came directly from his podcast. But please don't um, judge Bill by what I say this morning because, you know, not everything I'm saying is what Bill said. So are we okay? We good to go? Let's start with prayer. Oh, our gentle, kind, merciful, graceful, loving God. Thank you for your supernatural manifest presence with us this morning. Thank you for your word that enlightens, encourages and empowers us. I pray that this word this morning will breathe fresh life that it will build faith and confidence in who we are in you and who you are in us. And I pray that each and every one will open our ears and hearts to receive from you and that we will then go and apply that which you speak to us. And I ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So my main text this morning is from Isaiah 61. So would you all like to turn there while Jacob comes and reads it to us? Thank you, Jacob. The year of the Lord's favour. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, 
to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. This chapter has two prophetic revelations. Firstly, it is a prophetic word to the Jewish, pa- uh, the Jewish nation of what is to happen to them physically. And it also has a spiritual prophetic revelation for the church. You will remember, and I'm skipping over some of these scriptures, but can I please say, if you are not familiar with them, Jot down their address and look them up later. But in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus came up out of the desert after being tempted by the devil for 40 days, he returned to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue where he stood up to read from this passage in Isaiah. And you can pick this up in Luke chapter 4. We are so familiar with this scripture here at Life Point. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. It's interesting to note that Jesus stopped Pathway through, partway through verse 2 of Isaiah 61. And then he announced that today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He was proclaiming that he was the one Isaiah was talking about back in um, chapter uh, 61. The second part of verse 2 proclaims the vengeance of our God. And this will be fulfilled when Jesus returns. But right now, we are in the season of grace, the verses that Jesus quoted that are recorded in Luke chapter 4. Jesus modelled for us how a life full of the Holy Spirit is lived. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 we read that Jesus is the exact representation of God. In other words, he is the full revelation of God. We have no clearer picture of God than by looking at Christ. Jesus is the full expression in a human body and the Holy Spirit is exactly the same as Jesus. So to understand this life given us by the Holy Spirit, we need to look no further than Jesus. He lived his earthly life full of the Holy Spirit. And that is how we as believers are empowered to live out our life 
full of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it is commanded in Ephesians 5.18, we read, Do not be drunk on wine, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are two positions of the Holy Spirit. He is within us for our sakes, and he is upon us for the sake of others. The Holy Spirit within us is our comforter, our counsellor, to make us more like Jesus. And this happens when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour and invite him into our lives. He comes in to help us run our race, to give us power to overcome the enemy, to resist temptation, defeat, fear, self-absorption. He stands with us against the power of the enemy. The enemy has a target on our backs. And it's us to up to us to make sure he never hits the bullseye with his arrows. He wants to steal from your life everything that is good, but he disguises what he is doing and making it look like it's good. He's making it look like it's better than what God is offering you. He wants to destroy your intimacy with God. He wants to steal and rob and kill everything. Don't let him get a foothold. Take care of what you are thinking. I don't want to go into this this morning. I preached on the devil's tactics not very long ago, and I don't want to give him the um, limelight again this morning. But learn how to stand against his wiles. He wants us to gossip, criticise, tear down, share loudly our own opinion of how others should behave as if we know what's best for their life. Someone upsets us, the Holy Spirit quickens in us, get alone with God, get alone with me, give me your pain, I will help you forgive, I will heal you. The devil says to us, oh my gosh, did they really treat you like that? Suggest you go to the phone and you tell someone who is going to validate how you are feeling right now. Terrible, squashed down, put down. Church, we need to be careful what voice we listen to. We need to be in power against the wiles of the enemy and the Holy Spirit within us is the one who enables us to do that. Listen to his voice. If what you are hearing does not line up with the word of God, it's from the enemy or from your flesh don't give it a foothold. The enemy fires doubt at us. The Holy Spirit fills us with faith. Amen. Now, the Holy Spirit upon us is a further move of the Holy Spirit as recorded in Acts 2. You're familiar with Acts 2 in the day of Pentecost. We have had teaching on that over the last few weeks. In John chapter 20, verse 22, we read where Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
Then in Acts chapter 1 we read, Jesus again talking to the self-same disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. He was talking about the um, Holy Spirit. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 2, we read where the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples and their lives were drastically changed. (coughs) Now look with me at the pattern in Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Firstly, the Holy Spirit within us is working with us to make us like Jesus, restoring and comforting us. Our mourning is exchanged for a crown of beauty, the oil of joy instead of despair. We are given a garment of praise. Then we will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, not for our glory, but for the display of the Lord's splendor. Now listen, note it's, a, it's an oak tree, it's not a pine. Pine trees fall over quite easily in, the, in a very stormy wind, but oaks stand stable. They are very stable trees. We are not pines of righteousness, we are oaks of righteousness. We who have allowed the Holy Spirit to do his work in our lives will not be blown about in the storms. When storms hit, we will remain. We will be battered. We will probably be broken. But God uses the storms to mature us and actually to get rid of any pride that is within us. When we look to Jesus and not to our circumstances, when the tossing turmoil ceases, we will still be standing. Don't be tempted then to go back into the rubble of the past of the storm that you have just endured and look for someone to blame. The storm might have started by someone else's actions. But let us be a people who are like Joseph, who at the end of his life story, when his brothers came to him in fear and trepidation because of what they had done to him, he said, you meant it for harm, but God has used it for good. 
People don't look for someone else to blame. Accept it happened. Get alone with the Holy Spirit. Ask him to heal you. Ask him to give you the ability to forgive the person who um, hurt you and move on. Sometimes the storms are of our own making. It doesn't really matter how the storm started. When you're in the midst of the storm, storms can be the loss of a loved one. Storms can be a divorce. Storms can be a financial crash. But when you are in that storm, look to the Lord, not your circumstances, and remind yourself this too will pass. And dare I say it, remember James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. When storms hit, if we are anchored to Jesus, we will remain stable. And that is God's plan for this broken world. Now have a look at verse 4 of 61. They, that's the people who have been broken and are now trees of righteousness, they will build the ancient ruins and restore the places devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. He goes, Isaiah here goes on to declare that those who were once broken people will now be the people who do the work of restoration. They will rise up and they will restore other lives that have been long devastated. They will renew the ruined places, even those that have been devastated for generations. And can I just say, if you are a first-generation Christian, well, congratulations and well done because you have just changed the future of all who will come after you in your family line. And if you are someone who has had the privilege of being born into a Christian family, then give thanks for whoever the first generation was in your family line that changed how your lives would go forever. Um, can you see it's a cycle the broken become stable. Then in the power of the Holy Spirit upon them, they in return restore and build into the broken ones around them, who in turn, in the power of the Holy Spirit upon them, will restore and build the broken ones around them. Um... I wasn't going to share this, but I feel the Lord's prompted me to. Yesterday when I was praying for this service, I asked the Lord if he had anything prophetic he wanted to say. And this is what I believe he said to me. Now, I told you that Sean spoke on the whole gay situation um, in the churches, but he did not touch on this. This is what God was saying, so I believe it's for us. And he said uh, to me... <coughs> He said that there will be a revival amongst the gay community, that gays are going to come to Christ. Some will have the gay prayed out 
but most won't. The majority won't. The majority will um, choose a life of celibacy. And with this army of those that have chosen celibacy and the denial that they have made, God is going to raise up a mighty army and mighty power. And I believe that with all my heart that we will see that come in. Celibacy isn't only for the gays, you know. It's for those of us who are widows, single, whatever. We don't hear celibacy preached very often. We hear about marriages and how, you know, Christians need to get married and all of that. But there is great power in choosing the self-denial and living a life of celibacy. Please, in hearing me say that, do not hear me say it is not okay to be married. And I'm not speaking to married people telling them they need to get divorced just to clarify something so I am not misquoted. I hope you hear my heart. But I feel the Lord has asked me to share that this morning. Not so when it happens I can go, I told you so. But so we can pray into it. We can pray into it, church, pray into it. We know we have a couple of gay ladies associated with this church. Let's pray into it that they will be part of this revival that is going to hit because we love them dearly and we want to see them back in the fullness of God. Now, where the heck was I up to? The power of the Holy Spirit is upon us to bring transformation and restoration to all around us. When Jesus stood in the synagogue and read from Luke 4, 18 and 19 that I read before, he then rolled up the scroll, declared that this prophetic word was being fulfilled in him, and then he walked out into his community and put legs and heart onto the call on his life. He went out, and he went amongst the lost and the broken, and he held them. He taught them. He fed them. He had compassion on them. He taught them about love, grace, mercy, kindness, and the gentleness of God. And then he took it a step further and he demonstrated it by even, even further by his death on the cross. After his resurrection, Jesus continued to meet with his disciples. And then at the end of Matthew's gospel, we read this, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Very familiar. You hear this out of my lips all the time. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. This is after Jesus has risen from the dead. Um, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, in the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. If you don't have that word obey underlined in your Bible, you might want to 
underline that because there's only one way, trust and obey. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. With all the authority in both heaven and earth, he commissioned his disciples and therefore all who would follow on after them to repeat the cycle that is recorded in Isaiah 61. Take what I have done in you and go and do likewise with others. Together, together, the body of Christ, all functioning in the gifts that have been built into us. All in unity with one focus, all supporting and encouraging each other and sharing the exciting stories of how God is working. Together, together, seeing kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. No wonder the enemy wants to stop us dwelling in unity. No wonder he feeds doubt into us. No wonder he attacks us with all he has. Because when we become a people who truly believe what Jesus has said, who truly understand the anointing we live in, the privilege of being the people of God, when we truly grasp the truth of that, then the devil is a very scared person. I want hell to know me as well as heaven knows me. I want in hell, when I wake up in the morning, I want a quiver to go out through hell and say, here she is, she's awake, let's be careful. That's what I want. I don't want to be cowering in fear of him. The truth and the understanding of the Holy Spirit within and upon me makes my heart leap within me. It fills me with joy, the potential. It fills me with joy. Who I was back then when God pulled me up out of the miry clay, his absolute patience, his grace, his kindness, and all that he has done in my life to bring me to this place, it just is so humbling, as we sing. It's all glory to him, glory to him. And then to have the privilege to be able to be involved in doing that in other people's lives. But church, here's the thing. We need to show that same patience, kindness, love and goodness to them that was shown to us. Because just like we mucked up, the people who we are discipling will muck up. They will need us to be very kind and very gracious to them. But I'm sure we can do it. I'm sure we can do it. Thank you. Does it excite you? Are you prepared to give your all for all? Ah, oh, that's not an easy question to answer. That's not an easy question to answer because, you know, this is what challenges me. If we expect gay people to give up their all to become followers of Christ, we're hypocrites if we aren't prepared to give up our all as well. So I'm asking you the question I don't expect you to answer today. 
Are you prepared to give your all for all? Remember in John 20, 21, we read how Jesus breathed, I actually think it was 22, sorry, um, how Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, we read how Jesus told his disciples to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts 2, we read how the Holy Spirit fell upon them with mighty power and thousands were saved that day. But it doesn't stop there. Again, in Acts 4, we read how after the religious leaders threatened the disciples and told them to quit speaking in the name of Jesus, they joined together to pray for boldness. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. They didn't pray for the Holy Spirit to take the threats away. They didn't pray for the Holy Spirit to come and make their life easy and cushy and abundantly overflowing with flash cars and money and stuff. God may release that to you. But they prayed. Let's look at what they prayed. Now, Lord, verse 29 of Acts 4. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When we ask for boldness, and I ask for boldness, and I know some of you do, it's because we're going to need to be bold. When we ask for boldness, it's not really saying God's going to take it away and then you'll be bold. No, no, no. We are going to need to be a people of boldness. But then in verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. These are people who have already been filled with the Holy Spirit. When the disciples needed courage, boldness, etc., they went to the place of prayer and were filled with the Holy Spirit for the next adventure. Listen, church, I said it before, I'm saying it, repeating it. The only place you get breakthrough in your life and in the lives of others is in prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Theologians debate whether receiving the Holy Spirit is a one-off event, a two-off event, or a multiple event. And while they are debating these issues, and I have sat in a number of these debates, while they are debating these issues, people are dying still broken. They are debating, sitting around tables, debating, and people are dying and going to hell. Can I say this morning, I really do not care if you believe the Holy Spirit is a one-off event, a double event, or a multiple event. What you believe on that is not my question. My question is, are you filled with the Holy Spirit <coughs> and daily functioning in the power of that Holy Spirit fully living as Jesus lived. Are you stable? Are you a display of the Lord's splendor? 
Are you allowing kingdom to come on earth as it is through your life? That, that is how you tell if you're full of the Holy Spirit. Whether it's a one-off, two-off, multiple-off isn't the question. The question is, are you filled? And of course, you will all be expecting this question at the end of a message like this. Do you want a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit today? If you do, stand to your feet now and I will pray and then you can start to cry out for it as the disciples did. But remember, this is power not for your glory. The Holy Spirit is holy. Never treat the things that are holy as if they were not. So please, if you would like a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit today, then stand to your feet and I will pray. Of course, if it is awkward for you to stand, please remain stand, uh, sitting. God knows your heart is standing. Don't, Elaine, please don't stand, sweetheart. God knows your heart's standing. Yeah. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Thank you for your ministry within us. Thank you that you would choose to live your life in us amongst all the muck and the gunk. That you, like Father God, love us so much, you remain and, have, and dwell amongst us. And so now, Holy Spirit, you know our hearts, you know our hearts cry for more of you in our lives. I ask you now to come and clear away any blockages that we have and I ask you to come and fill us afresh, that you would empower us to be about your kingdom's work here on earth as it is in heaven, that a boldness would come upon us, that your gentleness, your kindness, your meekness, your love, your mercy, your grace would be on us as we minister, that your wisdom would be within us and um, without of us, that we would have discernment, that we would hear your voice, clearly hear your voice that we might obey it without doubting if it was truly of you or not. And so now, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come and you would pour yourself out into us this morning. In the precious name of Jesus and church, you cry out yourself as the disciples did and you let them know your heart and what you want and what you are willing to allow him to do this morning. Are you willing to give your all for his all? Father God, I just thank you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for this message. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you want to pour out on us today. Come on, church. Start speaking it out for yourself. If you want it, you've got to go for after it, church.